Hello and welcome to another episode of the Wisdom of Friends podcast. Thank Thank you for tuning in. If this is your first time listening, then thanks for coming. This is a podcast where you get to learn more about your friends and community, their wisdom, their trials and tribulations, timeless insights and their secrets. Now, let's get into the show. Please welcome your host, Cal Aras. Hello, uh, folks. Uh, welcome to another episode of uh, Wisdom of Friends show. I'm your host, Cal Ross. And today, I'm really excited to be introducing you to a good friend of mine. Her name is Lenora Edwards. Uh, Lenora is a business development consultant for entrepreneurs and executives. Her clients hire her to help them design, develop, and build their businesses on their own terms. A value add is acceleration of the revenue generating process, and she's known for helping those of us with especially unique value propositions, and many regard her as their ad hoc business partner who never tries to take equity. <laughs> Friends, uh, this is a fascinating conversation where Lenora and I talk about what does it take to identify your unique value proposition, and most importantly, how do you communicate that to your ideal clients? Friends, uh, this is uh, really a fascinating conversation. I hope you enjoyed this as much as I did. So without further ado, let's welcome the one and only Lenora Edwards. So good evening, uh, Lenora. Welcome to the Wisdom of Friends show. I'm really excited that you took the time to be on this program. And let me start off with my first impressions of you. We met not too long ago, actually, at the NSA Speakers uh, event here in Seattle, and I had the pleasure of uh, hearing you talk about branding and marketing and and just the amazing way with which you provided those brilliant insights. Uh, I knew having you on the show and you share your uh, expertise with my audience would be really awesome. So I'm so glad we're doing this. So again, welcome to the show. Thank you so much, Cal. It's just, I mean, I appreciate all of your kind comments. And it was just a pleasure to be in the room with people who are so positive and excited about their businesses. Excellent. And one of the ways, Lenora, we kick off our show is by asking our guest a simple yet profound question, and that is, what is your favorite quotation or philosophy that you live by, and how have you applied it to your life? Well, this is one, it, it's, it almost sounds kind of harsh when you first hear it, but it's a, the expression lately that's been on my mind is the one that I'd rather um, die on my feet than live on my knees. And uh, it's an expression that is, a, you know, it's like I said, it's harsh and it's, it sounds critical uh, and it, you picture something really scary that's happening. But I've been thinking about it a lot lately because there are just times when we have to make choices where, um, you know, you could be going along to get along, but you're not really getting what you want or maybe not doing the best thing for the situation. And so what I'm, imp- what I'm implying when I use that expression is how I'd rather um, stay on my feet and um, go for it rather than um, halfway go for it, <laughs> meaning the knees, the knee posture. So um, that's the one that's on my mind lately. No, I like that. And it's, uh, it's really, uh, it's very inspiring in the sense that, you know, whatever we do, we need to do it full heartedly instead of half-assed approaches because it does not do justice to either uh, entities involved uh, in that uh, process because really giving it your best is what life's about. And I'm so glad that you shared that and reminded us of that. So uh, what I'm curious about, Lenora, is, uh, what did your parents do and how did that shape your life? And uh, where did you grow up and how would you describe your childhood? 
Um, I grew up in the Bay Area in California. Um, my parents, my mother was a hospital administrator and she's retired now. And my father was um, in the airmotive industry, which is a really tough, high pressure industry. You know, with the, it's the industry that makes airplanes. And it was right after deregulation. So I remember my father, my mother would come home from work and not really talk about work. And my dad would come home from work and have a lot of negative things to say about work. And it was interesting because my mom didn't really start her career till later because she stayed home with us kids while we were young. And uh, later when she went to work, she was very choosy about what kind of work she would do, who she would work with, and um, what kind of flexibility she'd have to, in order to be home with us kids. My father, I think, I, I looking back, I believe he felt a lot of pressure to do, um, to do, to do work that was uh, in a competitive environment, one where he could, um, you know, produce the amount of income he wanted, of course, for our family. Um, but it was really hard on him. And that's why, you know, he'd come home from work and just, just have some of the most horrible expressions, ones I can't even express here. I mean, they were funny and all that, but, you know, kind of cartoon-like. But, but I'd think, wow, my dad hates his job. And my mom would come home from work and really not say much of anything. It's sort of like, you know, she... She, um, did, her job had its right proportion, shall we say, in her mind and in and the bandwidth it ex- I'd occupied. No, that's uh, <clears throat> that's definitely uh, certainly would have an influence on you. And and would that did that sh- those, that experience shape in any way uh, your choices of the kind of career that uh, you eventually embarked on? Definitely, definitely. I mean, I started working in high school at the local department store, and I really enjoyed the, the uh, super high pace. I I liked the pressure. I liked the, you know dealing with public and the fact that you could you know get a lot of surprises. You had to think on your feet. Um, and then you know I worked my way up in that department store, and after nine years, I moved over to another retailer, a specialty chain real- retailer, where I could have a different kind of experience culturally and also um, more responsibility and the kind of responsibilities I wanted. But I remember my dad's reaction. My mom is excited. Oh, boy, you promoted yourself. And here's my dad. Do you want us to not shop at that other store anymore? (laughs) And I just was like, Dad, it's nothing personal. I really um, I had a good career with that first company. They gave me my start. And now it's time for a change. And they don't have the opportunity I want. So I went over to this other place, you know, sort of like, in, you know, intentionally sh- uh, shopping for your next career move. Um, and again, you know, I always would note my dad, you know, I just, I think that um, when I started consulting for myself, it, that was a hard thing for my parents to understand because there's really not self-employment in our family. There are a lot of people who've worked in jobs a long time and um, really stayed um, what they thought was a more safe path. So when I said, you know, I'm going to, you know, after, I mean, I, after that retailer, I went to another a manufacturer, I mean, I got more experience and then I decided to uh, go ahead and go out on my own consulting because I felt like it seemed the full circle of life, retail, wholesale, and I felt I could be of service. So my parents were just horrified. How could you make this move? Um, what are you going to do? How do you know where, where you're going to get your next client? And I said, I want to be able to choose the people and the projects I work on. I want to be able to choose how I make money and, and the circumstances. And, and my comment, you know, I was in my early 20s and, um, you know, projecting ahead. And I remember remarking on it earlier. And then later when I was, I think I was 31 when I started for my business, started my business. But I explained to them, I see what's coming. You know, it's like I'm going to have more and more financial obligations. And the people I work for are going to realize that. And 
I'm going to be hemmed in and I, I don't think I'm up for this game. I think I want the I want the choices and I want the flexibility. And um, they just thought that was really strange. And in fact, at one point, I even my mom, who was a very positive person, said, you can't you can't choose your work. And I said, well, why can't I? I wasn't married and I didn't have children. So I I didn't have to answer to someone else or worry that I might be taking food off the table. Um, it was, you know, something, a decision I made on my own. So I, I could not fathom what the problem was. Um, they were very fearful about it. So um, that was an interesting experience in our relationship as far as being able to talk that out and have them trust me and this was in the days before there were websites so you know, I couldn't really point to a website and say here's what I do and I think that also was difficult for them um, later when I started a different business and of course there were websites they really liked that it's like it gave them a lot of like there there it is that's what she does you know it's like if they could point to an institution that I was associated with even though I had created it myself no, that is so great. And for the benefit of the audience, Lenora Edwards is a very uh, popular business development consultant for entrepreneurs and executives. And her clients hire her to help them design, develop, and build their businesses on their own terms. And one of the things, uh, Lenora, you mentioned here during your sharing that really uh, caught my interest here is that you intentionally went and shopped for your next career. And that is such an important distinction because a lot of us, although it's it's common knowledge, it's a common practice, it's not so common though, but that when we are uh, looking to uh, take our career to the next level, it's so critical that we start farming uh, for the next opportunity long before you actually need to do that. So could you talk a little bit more about like why that is important and how did you go about that process of uh, transitioning for the next career move that you did? Well, it's, it seems like it's two things. It's one is um, I'm a really curious person and I love to learn. So that's one bucket of, um, you know, what was steering me in that direction. And the other thing is um, I like to be of service. And so what would happen in my work, you know, in, in the corporate world is that I would be serving and, and producing in my role and I could see things that would, you know, could be done better um, or I could help make better um, if I was able to have that input or that influence. And so, you know, getting bored and outgrowing a role is one one way to like, go, oh, I've got to leave this. And then, the, then there's, so there's leaving and then there's going. And then I want to go toward that. I see this need. I'd really like to shape the service or the product um, that, that serves that because I have done product development both on the on the uh, services side and on the consumer product side. So um, I'd say that combination of being curious and um, and not and not wanting to be bored. That's another important thing. Um, curious, love to learn, n- don't want to be bored. And then th- the other part of which is wanting to serve and be helpful by providing that because I truly believed in those, you know, when I would think of that next role, oh, I could be so much more effective. I could be I could have an impact that would be good for people or good for that company, good for that culture. And, and that was exciting to me. No, that is so great. And this is a perfect segue into the next question that I have for you. And one of the common questions that we receive from our audience, and most of our audience, as I stated earlier, are executives and entrepreneurs and professionals. And oftentimes, they're looking to find their calling. They're looking to find their passion. They're looking to find their purpose. Or or maybe they have an inclination for what that is, but they uh, have a hard time trying to make it happen in terms of tangible business or 
uh, an opportunity that can serve. So what, what what are your thoughts on people who may be in that kind of a situation who are trying to find what would be the best thing to kind of like give their life to or their career towards? Well, it takes some time and reflection, and it's which is difficult to do. Let's say if you're caught up in um, what feels like a really hectic daily uh, routine with a job where you're putting out a lot of fires. So the first thing I recommend is taking time for reflection. And so you know, there's an easy way to do that um, on a daily or even you know biweekly basis is to go for a good walk and clear your head and see how you feel and start checking out like what what is going on for me? What am I thinking about? Am I ruminating about? the tough things that happened today in my work, or am I excitedly thinking about certain aspects of my job and the people I work with? The other way that's really um, helpful for people to discover what they should be moving toward is that exercise that we did in the workshop together that, you know, making a list of what gives them energy and what drains their energy in their work activities. And that is very revealing because, you know, anytime you're writing out, you know, journaling and you get to see exactly what you're thinking rather than the thoughts going on in your head and not being able to examine them as easily, um, it's, it becomes easier to discern what direction you might go. Um, so let's say let's say um, if what gives you energy in your job is collaborating with other people and co-creating uh, interesting ideas that turn into products or services, and then you realize, wow, I'm really drained at the end of the day because I'm alone in a cubicle, and I'm the the type of work that I have to deliver on actually requires me to be solitary. I mean, that's where you start realizing when you look at those lists. Oh my goodness, I see why I'm drained. I'm not getting enough of what gives that energy, and I've got too much of of what drains it. So, um, but the good walk here and there, just to kind of clear your head to get ready for anything, is uh, is definitely a good um, a good physical thing to do to uh, and very meditative as well. Time for reflection is the key. I totally agree with that. And I think, uh, you know, being still and going within and uh, seeking those answers uh, can certainly, uh, you know, point us in the right direction. Now, that's so great. And that brings up another question. Uh, when you look back at your life up until now, Lenora, what would you say was the breakthrough success moment for you? And what I mean by that is, you know, we all have those strategic inflection points. You know, it's like that moment, that turning point when life was never the same again moment. Can you recall a moment or moments like that in your life? Yes. Um, you know, it was early on. It was in that first job in retail. I had a um, my boss. Her name was Barbara Grundy. And I'm sure her name still is Barbara Grundy. I, I, I believe she's still around. And Barbara was um, and we called her Miss Grundy. So, I mean, I'm just going to stick with Miss Grundy because I don't think I ever called her Barbara to her face. I was 16 years old and I worked with her for the first three years of my career. And Miss Grundy taught all of us Grundy girls, as we were referred to in her department, um, we were taught how to work, you know, the work ethic. And when Miss, you know, Miss Grundy made sure I was trained and knew how to use the cash register and knew what my responsibilities were in the department. Um, but the turning point for me was when she took me aside one day and said, you know, I think you're pretty smart, but I don't, I don't want you to just, you know, stand around being smart and just helping customers. I don't, I think that's, that's just like a small part of your job. I want you to really make a difference here. I want to, and she said the words, I want to see you sweat, which scared the heck out of me. Um, but I, she didn't mean it in a, like, I'm going to scare you way. She meant it in a, let's push you 
to see what else you can do. So, you know, so she, my quota was, my sales quota was, was increased. I made that. Then it was, well, here's some reports from the buying office. Why don't you examine these reports and tell me what you think? And I, and I, you know, didn't even know what they were. It was, you know, like really old fashioned computer reports that weren't as detailed. You had, there was some interpretation there. And so she, you know, she waited to see what my questions were. And then I went to her with my conclusions. And then the next thing was, Lenora, the buyers are coming out from corporate and I want you to be here on the selling floor talking to them with me um, so that you tell them of what your findings are and tell them about what we need more of and what we need less of. And so I was pretty shy at that stage in my life. And she, I, the turning point was having somebody who was training me, pushing me, um, pushing me to see what would happen. And it was very scary. It was scary, but not in a threatening way. It was scary in a, well, I don't know how much I can do or not do. I'll just keep doing it because if she's asking me, I'm guessing she thinks I'm capable, so I'll do it. Oh, that's great. And it's so critical that we uh, need these uh, mentors and coaches in our lives who can push us, push us in a way that stretches our imagination stretches uh, what we are capable of and really gives us the opportunity to really play at a higher level. And it seems like uh, Ms. Grundy uh, definitely did that uh, with you and it's uh, it's really uh, paid off handsomely down the road. The other question that comes up, and we've had many guests on the show, really extraordinary people, uh, highly successful people. And one of the things that we I've noticed having had a conversation with them is they've all experienced setbacks. And, you know, when you look at it from an outside, it seems like it was a failure moment or something like that. But for them, it was in fact a stepping stone to even greater success. So my question to you is, what is your favorite failure? And what I mean by that is that failure turned into a major success down the road. Anything comes to mind? Yes. Um, yes, it does. Um, <laughs> well, there are two I'm thinking about, but I, I think I'll, I'll tell the funnier one because it was, this was back in the, I was working in the buying offices and it was before we were using computers to do projections. In other words, we were not using Excel spreadsheets. We were using these um, handwritten ledgers to project sales uh, of each product and category. So, you know, just picture, you know, lots of lines and columns and uh, a pencil and an eraser and just a lot of like working and reworking things. So when you, so y you would roll up these unit projections for um, items that were in your inventory and need to project what you would be selling, which means you had to know how much more to order over the next 90 days. And orders generally came once a month. So, you first had to get approval for those orders and make sure that the dollars um, associated would get, you know, approved, like your checkbook, if you will. And then you also had to go back to the manufacturer and place the order in units. And um, there was a really a manufacturer that I was working with and doing a lot of business with. And I had uh, just a regular basic photo frame program I was placing orders for that was pretty good size. And I read all of my numbers to him on the phone um, from not the on order column, but the on hand column. And when you have over 220 stores, the on hand column was pretty big. I read <laughs> wrong column. I read a column that was probably 80% bigger than it should have been. And it's funny because he was very positive and wow, that's great. 
But he didn't say, Lenora, these numbers are so remarkably large. There's got to be a mistake. He just was excited. And I remember thinking, gee, you know, it's not that big a deal. Anyway, he places the orders with his, uh, you know, with overseas, with the factories we were working with. And um, and about a week later, I realize, oh, my goodness, why he was so excited. And I call him and I say, guess what? You know, um, and I'm not joking. I read you the wrong column of my spreadsheet and I need I need to give you the real numbers. And I did. And he said, I can't deal with this, Lenora. I can't call this factory and tell them that these numbers are this far off. Um, what are we going to do? And you know what? That was a breakthrough that he asked that. What are we going to do? And I said, so it, it, instead of telling me I was bad and no, and I can't believe you made such a terrible mistake. I mean, I was the customer after all. So he, I guess on some level he needed to be polite. However, he really swung a door open for me by saying, what are we going to do? And I thought creatively and I said, okay, so let's think about this. I'll tell you what, this is like one of my biggest programs and we've been shipping the reorders in once per month. What if you hold this? There is extra merchandise here. You're, you know, we're both acknowledging there's more here than we need. What if you bring it all in to the United States and warehouse it for me? Um, and I will take orders once a week instead of one lump. And, and that will make me monitor my sales weekly instead of monthly. And perhaps there's more sales that could be done if I had more inventory because there is an expression in retail about there's no, um, there's no mathematical cal uh, calculation for um, missed sales, meaning you don't know when somebody walked in the store to pick something up and it wasn't there. Nobody's accounting for that unless, you know, somebody was standing there with a clicker, which they're not. So anyway, he agreed to house the inventory. He agreed um, to ship it weekly. And I would and I agreed to a schedule. Well, I'll tell you what, I used up all that merchandise in pretty short order. And um, we were very excited because I got to grow my retail sales and a grow a program that I didn't realize I had demand for. And he got to save face <laughs> with, his, with his factories. Cause I, he, I mean, we laughed about it later. Um, and you know what? I went to work for him later. I went to, he was my next job because, um, and he told me when I expressed interest in going to work for his company, anyone who thinks like that, I want on my team. Uh, so, so that was, I mean, I'll tell you, it was scary. It was scary the whole time. It's one thing to be creative and come up with a solution, but I did have to live with it every single day and sweat it out that we would really tap that inventory and use it. No, that's such a great story. And it seems like, I mean, that you really flexed your creative muscle because there's always a way uh, when you look at it from a different angle. Any situation, we can always have a breakthrough uh, uh, when you can take a step back and think of it. Uh, in an innovative way or creative way as you did. No, that's really fantastic. And you were about to share another story, which was not funny, but what was it? <laughs> oh, gosh. Um, oh, I'm forgetting what the other story was because this is what we told the funny one. Hold on. Hang on. Hang on. Um, and we could come back to it later. We'll okay, we'll come back to it. Yeah, I'm sorry. I just like put it right out of my mind as I went into down memory lane there. Thank you, Cal. <laughs> You're welcome. And so talking about mentors, and I want to kind of like take a moment here to uh, ask you about who were your influences growing up uh, while in school and college or uh, in your early career or even now, like when you uh, is there anybody in particular that you want to give, give a shout out to who's really influenced you and like made a difference for you? 
You know, my clients make a huge difference for me every day. Um, I have to say that that's where I draw a lot of inspiration. I'm with three or four people per day while they are very transparent about what they're working on. And there's always the task side, the, the, you know, what we need to get done with their marketing and business development efforts. And then there's the relationship or cultural side, um, which is where they're working on what, who are they in relationships to this new way of business they're doing. And the fact that they express um, that they express so openly what is working for them or not working for them, their their fu- kind of funny failure stories or not so funny failure stories, um, their openness and vulnerability. You know, one person said to me today, "I'm oh, I you're just going to think I'm crazy for this," and I, I probably hear that more than anybody in the course of a day. <laughs> <laughs> and and by the way, it never is crazy. It's usually something really creative and interesting that it totally makes sense. It's just that they haven't yet had a context to work on that new idea, and we put it in place. So I I would have to say what who is really inspiring me these days are my clients. Oh, that's great. I'm gonna, we're going to switch gears here, and I'm going to ask you about your favorite hobbies and interests. Anything uh, that you like to do when you're not being creative with work problems or challenges. I love to watch old movies and I have loved to watch old movies since I was a little girl. I love movies from the 30s and 40s and 50s. Um, I've even been known to watch one from the, uh, you know, silent films from the 20s. And I, I really, uh, I think what I enjoy so much about those old movies is that there is a very high dedication on the director's part to telling a story and having well-developed characters. And of course, there's all the kitschiness and novelty of seeing people in clothing and um, home furnishings or business furnishings, whatever's in the background, that is um, fascinating to, to watch because it's part of history. The old movies, I, I mean, my boyfriend just laughs all the time. He walks in and here, you know, he can hear the music. It's not modern music. <laughs> and he's like, oh boy, here we go. And I'm in my happy place when I watch when I watch those movies. Uh, any, um, uh, what was the last movie that you saw, which was a classic or an old one? You know, uh, the last one I saw um, was Skylark um, with Claudette Colbert. And it was a really, um, it was it was a pretty frothy, fun movie, um, kind of uh, along the lines of what she did with It Happened One Night, which is one of my favorites. And that was with Claudette Colbert and, um, and uh, Clark Gable. And there's, there's, there's just, it, it, they're very, these movies are very idealized. And I think that I, I think I enjoy that seeing that idealistic um, kind of polish, if you will, in a story. But I also enjoy listening to the, how the characters speak to one another. Um, one of the things that my clients tap, tap me for constantly, because, you know, in between our weekly meetings, they're allowed to text me or call me and email me so that in case they need any support in between, you know, let's say when they're working on some, a proposal or getting ready for an important meeting. And I'm asked a lot about how to say something. Well, I really want to get this across. How, what's the best way to say that? And I get those requests a lot. And, and I, I never really thought about it much until a couple months ago when somebody said, you know, you're our, you're our communications manager. <laughs> and, and I didn't know that. And I, and I really think going back to those old movies, I think I've gotten a lot from those, you know, old Hollywood script writers that have helped me. <laughs> no, that is really great. And I think, uh, you're absolutely right. I mean, as far as like the stories are concerned, the characters are, 
created and and the way it was directed and the script writing it's so different than the classics i mean it's amazing to watch those even today um so and i'm gonna get back to the story part of it because that's an interesting thing i just want to talk more about it in terms of branding and how do we position ourselves in the marketplace but the the other question i have for you is uh, what books have you gifted or reread over the years any recommendations you have for our audience Oh, um, that's a good question. Um, because I'm kind of all over the place with books. I feel like I'm always reading parts of books and I never, I rarely get to finish one. Um, (laughs) you know, there's a fictional book that I've read three times and I, and I, I know it has influenced me in business more than any business book per se. And it's a book by Ayn Rand and it's called Atlas Shrugged. Mm. And it's kind of a controversial book. She wrote The Fountainhead, which is much more um, popular. Popular, and, yes. Yeah, and then yeah. the, the Fountainhead's the big one. But I read it three times because, and it was written, I think, in the early 40s. And when, whenever I've read it, it's like it could have been written today um, with, with the way she made it kind of timeless, the way the, the problems were served up in the culture. And so what, what has stuck with me about that book is, you know, she's describing a culture where um, – people who are significantly smarter and more capable are having to take responsibility for the general public as, and they keep referring to them as the public, I believe in the book and at where the, where that public has become lazy and dependent on the people they feel like are so much more capable. And so what happens in the book is over time is the people who are smarter and capable and they tend to be capitalists and creators they band together and kind of create their own society and i'm really oversimplifying the plot there's a lot of things that go on in it but but this is the aspect that was interesting to me was that you know you have to find your tribe find your people there could be times in our society or or at work in the corporate culture or even in our own businesses where we feel like we're we're out of step or we feel like we're a man without a country so to speak and we have to seek our own people. We have to find our people to relate to. So with, with entrepreneurs, it happens a lot that they kind of cluster together and, and, uh, and, and generate a lot of excitement so they can gin up new ideas um, and, and feel free to innovate. Because sometimes, it depends on the corporations they're with, but there are a lot of companies that feel like when somebody's acting in an entrepreneurial way that that's rocking the boat and perhaps threatening to what is going on, that perhaps we, we'd like things to be more steady, Let's not have any more change. We'd like things to go slower. And then those of us who are entrepreneurial are sort of always asking what if and wanting to try things. Um, And so I think what that book did for me on a business level and on a personal level is it reminded me there can be times when you're out of step with what the, the bigger society looks like. And your job is to find the people you can relate to. And it doesn't make everybody else wrong. It just makes everybody it makes you find your tribe so that you can thrive and do well and get more energy um, doing the things that you're meant to do. We're not all supposed to be playing the same roles. You know, there's something unique that all of us brings to the table. And it's a lot easier to do and way more fun when you get to collaborate with people who think like you do. No, it's great. And it's absolutely, uh, you. I 100% agree with you. It's sometimes... Uh, you know, you have to question uh, if the mainstream does not agree with you or, uh, you know, you have to step outside and uh, look at your own tribe and connect with your own community. And and that's part of branding. And I want to get to that uh, here uh, in a bit. But one question I do have for you, and that is, uh, this was a hypothetical situation. Let's say if you could go back in time, Lenora, 
and talk to your young self after having seen the ebb and flow of life, what advice would you give her? Oh, I'd say please stop being so hard on yourself. Yes, it's uh, this is not about perfection. This is about trying new things and getting things done and um, moving forward and not being perfect. I like that. That's great. Awesome. So we're going to switch over to the next section of the podcast here. And that is some of the questions we've uh, received from our audience. And the first question I have for you is, how do we discover what makes our brand unique? What are your thoughts on that? I, I believe that information usually has to come from the outside um, when, because the things that we find unique, even if we decide what they are, it's usually because someone told us or wrote about it to us. I think it, it just, uh, it's, it's different than the, what we talked about earlier when I talked about what gives you energy and drains your energy. That's about going inside and asking yourself and reflecting. I think when you, I think it's important when you're trying to figure out what a differentiator is and what makes you uniquely qualified to do something and why you would want to be known for that, otherwise known as brand, um, that you would want to go to the outside and ask those questions. So asking people who have worked with you, asking people who have purchased from you. And sometimes it's difficult um, for people to answer those questions when you're asking them. So you might have to have a third party. And this is something I do with all my clients when they first begin working with me is I, I ask them for five or six um, colleagues and or clients that I who I can interview for about 20 minutes where I can ask them some really specific open-ended questions about what, what their impact is, what their death sign manner is like, um, what, um, you know, when you have a fill in the blank question, when you work with so-and-so you get blank. Um, I like to ask that, ask these questions and get them from people who've experienced the miracle of working with my clients that way, all the filters are removed. I believe that many times when we start to describe ourselves, we perhaps rely on outdated data. <laughs> it's something that, you know, maybe we heard earlier, or maybe we th- grew up thinking it as a child, or and maybe we don't want to brag. And so, you know, the complete information doesn't come out. When you ask people who are working around you what their experience is, it blows it blows people away to learn it. And and then when they write it out and they start talking about themselves that way, they realize, oh, my gosh, I'm attracting more people like that to work with. And so, Cal, and toward that uh, toward that end, I want to thank you for the very descriptive, wonderful email you sent me following my workshop. And because I, I it was helpful to know what my impact was. And it was, of course, very flattering and positive, And it made my day. But you also used very descriptive terms there that helped me realize where I was delivering value. And I, that makes me want to focus more on that. No, that's so great. And you certainly make an impact. And I highly uh, encourage our listeners to uh, check into Lenora's work and uh, and definitely get in touch with her if you're looking to accelerate your uh, revenue stream and uh, you know the revenue generating process because she's really well known for that. And the other question I want to get, kind of get into is, when it comes to positioning, uh, when you're trying to like uh, create a business and position yourself in the marketplace, there are a couple of schools of thoughts that I've heard over the years. You know, one of the things is like coming out of a business, being a business graduate and uh, going to one of the top business schools, which, uh, you know, the thought, the philosophy is, you know, you find out 
what the market demand is for, what the market is hungry for, and then, you know, you offer a product or a service that automatically kind of feeds the market and, you know, that's that's your business plan. Now, the other thing that as having had real life experiences, what I've also noticed is, yes, there could be so many things you could be doing uh, that's got a market demand, but it also needs to resonate with your own uh, personal uh, passions and pursuits and interests. So what would you say to someone who might be in a dilemma to look at, you know, what are you all about and what's the product and service that you want to offer to the world? Maybe or maybe not there's a market demand for it. And then there is another opportunity where there is a market demand for it. So what, what are your thoughts on that? Well, it's, um, it's an interesting combination of things. I've noticed that that people are born with certain gifts and talents that they most naturally want to leverage when they're working and, um, and people around them notice that, you know, so whether it's their ability to actually craft something that's a, you know, physical product or whether it's a way they deliver a service. Um, that's where it begins. In my opinion, is that, that energy that goes into that and what makes them unique. Um, Many of the clients that I work with are service, they're all service providers. I rarely work with a consumer product these days. Um, and so it's been service providers for the last, you know, 18 years or so with few exceptions. And what I've noticed is they're, they're, um, they have grown up perhaps in the corporate world delivering that service and being paid by an employer to do it. And they were good at it. And the reason they ended up spinning off and creating a business that that used those skills is that they the way they wanted to deliver it wasn't allowed by the brand of the company that they were working for. So so they had to make sure, you know, they were being loyal to the brand there and do do the work the way the company wanted. And if they wanted to do it a particular way, they decided they had to spin off. Um, so it's it's not it's not that it's not possible to take a commoditized service and deliver it in your own business and be successful. But it's most prosperous and better when it's delivered on your own terms. Um, so, for example, um, I had a, a recent phone call with um, a colleague I was introduced to and getting to know. And as we were talking, it, I was laughing, you know, because when he got to the part about, well, Lenora, you know, I'll bet you ha we have some things in common because I've just described my business and how uh, I utilize these very rigorous systems and operations to help companies. I bet you and I, what we do is similar. And I said, you know, actually we couldn't be more different because my clients demand a real customized way of um, helping them with their marketing and operations that would help them prosper on their own terms. So I said, I think our customers are really different. So there's a market for both of us to do this work. In the way that he 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 is excited about the rigor and methodology that he delivers for his customers and clients, and he he delights in it. And I'm delighted and excited to listen to the very unique situations my clients bring to me, where they might have a service or product people have heard of, and yet the way they want to deliver it is different. So that means we have to market it differently. And I'm excited and energized by that. So my long-winded point is that that you know. I, we have to stay true to ourselves. We have to, you know, we have to deliver what it is that we do in a way that's meaningful. Um, and other, otherwise, nothing will happen. Um, and, and he and I had a good laugh at the end of the phone meeting because he said, I see the difference. I hear the difference. Um, 
And I said, yes. And, you know, there's a, there's a reason for both of us doing this. It's just that, you know, it's, it's this colleague had to introduce us because our paths would not normally cross because of <laughs> you're attached to your rigor and systems and the license you have to hold it. I'm a college dropout who grew up on a retail floor watching how consumers reacted to things and learning to adjust and move things so that, um, that I could help them make them sell. And so that's really what I'm doing in the professional services world is the same thing as saying, let's learn about what you're doing and why this is unique and look at how people react to it and craft a business development uh, strategy that will allow you to do that effectively. No, that's great. And one of the things, uh, Lenora, you talk about and you really emphasize with your clients is setting uh, the commandments of your business. Uh, it's the Ten Commandments, I believe, and then also uh, defining your ideal client. Tell us why is that exercise so important and what does that provide after having done that exercise? It provides a lot of focus. And, um, I, you know, sometimes people get a little too creative when they're marketing their businesses and, and start describing the same service in many different ways, depending on who they're talking to. So I, I like to, so I was starting with the ideal client. It's really important to define that ideal client because that ideal client, when you're working with him or her, are the people you're going to do your best work for. So um, that's one thing. But the other thing is, you know, many times we get word of mouth referrals from people and you would like your referral partners to be able to articulate what it is you do in a similar way to how you would talk about it. So so if you really get specific about who your ideal, ideal client is and what the sp- specific circumstances are that you would work the best with them and you, you, you write it out and you have it handy and you use that script, if you will, whether you're in a, you're in a conversation or you're copying paste, pasting some of those words into an email, it really helps train your audience and it trains your brain too to be very specific and focused. Being laser focused is super important. The 10 business saving commandments, that is, you know, after years of experience, um, which many people have by the time they decide to start a business, um, they know things about themselves, about what are the ideal circumstances under which they can perform their best work. And that includes, you know, the kind of people that they want to work with. That includes the kind of circumstances that they want to deliver that work in, whether it's, you know, d- during certain hours or having flexibility or being treated a certain way um, or the type of projects and what field they'll, of study they'll be in. It could be anything. But again, having those 10 things written down helps us evaluate every day. Am I doing, am I headed in the right direction? Am I doing what I said I would do? Is this what I want to be known for? And if it's written down and it's specific, it's like, it's like crafting a target and you have the ability to hit it every time. If you don't identify it, you can become, the market can get confused. Your referral partners can be confused and not understand. Wait a minute. What kind of, what kind of work are you doing? Uh, both of those both of those things are super important to stay focused and not only for ourselves but for those people around us who are helping us by sending business our way. No, I like that. It's uh, it provides clarity and uh, clarity is power. Uh, I mean that's, that it really comes down to that. And uh, you know, when the mind is clear, there is little resistance in terms of going after your goals and dreams and uh, ideal client in that uh, respect. So no, that's great. The other thing I want to come back to is storytelling. Uh, you are the default communication manager for your clients, as you mentioned earlier. So let me 
Uh, let me ask you this about branding and communicating your story or your brand values, if you will, to your marketplace or your customer. Any suggestions, any tips on that as to what do we need to take into account when it comes to being clear about the value proposition we offer to the marketplace? Um, it's, it's the, it's the why statement, I believe and it. And I, and Simon Sinek talks about this really well in his Ted talk. Um, I think it's important in the value proposition for the audience to understand why they need that service. And they also need to understand why it's important to you. And that's the, why it's important to you. The person who delivers the service, it's not necessarily something people talk about very often, However, I emphasize this to my clients that your value proposition definitely has to has to say why this is important so you can get results. You know, and like in my case, uh, I say, you know, that my value proposition is, is acceleration. The main reason people hire me is to get revenue and they definitely want to accelerate the process. That's the only reason they would they would want to hire me and work with me. And, and the other part that, you know, I'm, I'm experiencing a rebrand right now. I'm making it sound like it's happening to me rather than me making it happen. But that's what it feels like. <laughs> so the tagline is prosper on your own terms because acceleration is definitely the reason somebody writes a check. But the secret behind it is the little the whispering that somebody says to me, and I want it all like this, you know, um, you know, I want flexibility so I could make sure I'm around my kids as they're growing up. I want flexibility so I can take care of aging parents. I want flexibility so I can make more money sometimes and less money other times. Um, but that's the um, the value proposition and being clear about that and talking about why it's important, not only for business reasons, that's the acceleration part, but it's also for the personal reason on your own terms. It that Basically, I'm doing this business on my own terms, and what that is, a, that is reflected back to me every day. I've got clients who feel the same way. So for the, for the most effective value proposition, I think it's super important to say why somebody would want to invest in it. In my case, like I said, the example is acceleration. And the other part is why um, why it's important to the person, like on a more human level, uh, and and why it's important for me to help them with that. I you know I'll circle back to the story about my you know dad growing up and you know hearing your dad come home every day and hate his job. I'll tell you what, it definitely uh, set the tone for prosper on your own terms. <laughs> <laughs> Because I, um, you know, he did. He didn't realize it, but he was setting up my brand because I thought I will never work in an atmosphere where I am not happy with it. I, I will always be in a position to change it, whether earlier in my career it meant I'm going to change jobs or I'm going to change companies or I'm going to, in my business, change how I'm delivering the product or how I'm who I'm working with. But I definitely want to feel like I'm in the driver's seat to prosper on my own terms. And I want to help other people do that so they go home and they're excited and happy, you know, happy to hang out with their family and not worried about the job they don't like. (laughs) (laughs) That's a really good point. Uh, The other question I have for you is what was the best piece of advice you received uh, regarding life or business in general? Anything comes to mind? Yes. Um, a client of mine a long time ago was when I was buying my house um, and I was really having a tough time with all the decisions that come with that, including the selection of the neighborhood I was going to live in. And he said, um, let's see, I want to make sure I say this right. He said, Lenora, if you have only two options, that's not a choice. That's a dilemma. Mm. So always make sure you have at least three options. That is what true choice is about. 
And that led to an expression I always like to use with my clients, the one with the most choices wins. (laughs) (laughs) No, that's good. He gave me and it served me well. And it has helped me um, not get boxed in a corner and make the bad, make a bad decision. No, that's great. The other question that comes up is uh, what's the best investment you've done for your life or your career or your business in the last five years? Hiring great people to work with me. Um, they're, they're not employees. They're virtual. So they're like me. They're entrepreneurs, too, who are good at what they do, great at what they do. Uh, but investing in um, working with them to bring my business to a different level uh, by by having them expertly show me how to do things in a way that would make my business run more efficiently and more effectively, and also the investment I've made in showing them, okay, and yes, and I want it on my terms. So, for example, I work with a project manager who's amazing, and um, she has other clients who prefer that she communicate in a particular way, and then there's me, um, and once in a while there'll be an email where I'll say, ooh, I noticed that you... Um, there was a little scarcity in that email when you were letting that client, I only had this day or this day to meet. I'm an abundance person, so um, I want to make sure that you you would present that differently next time. I would prefer you say, Lenora has this and this. And, of course, there are other options if this doesn't work. Because I, I said, I just don't – I want to be known for being accessible. I don't, I don't want scarcity in there. I know sometimes people think that's very um, – that makes you sound like you're a hot uh, property if you're not available very much. Um, I think when people are retaining you, like my clients are me, sounding like you're not accessible after they've made an investment in your services, um, is it really kind of snuffs out the value of that branding I've been doing. So, um, so I make an investment. I mean, it sounds like a small thing to go back and say to someone, I saw you use these words. I prefer you use these to represent my brand. Um, but it, it's, you know, first of all, she's excellent about, I see exactly why. And, you know, we change that. The other thing is I make the investment and stop and talk about that because it is important. And it is an investment when you work with people who are work, uh, who are representing you and who are supporting you because it's not just the money. You really have to show them how to be an extension of your brand. That's uh, the best thing I've done. No, it's such a great point. It's, uh, you know, there's that old saying, you know, you're an average of uh, the five people you surround yourself with. So having surrounding yourself with great people is certainly an investment. Probably agree with you on that. Uh, we're going to switch gears here and uh, move on to the next section. In the interest of time, Lenora, this is the rapid fire round. And mm-hmm. I'm going to ask you a bunch of fun questions. Uh, it's the first response that comes to your mind. So okay. are you ready? Ready. <laughs> <laughs> so who's your favorite? Music band. Bruce Springsteen. Hmm. What's your favorite color? Green. Whose brain would you like to pick? Bill Clinton's. If you could have witnessed one event in history, what would that be? The ending of the Civil War. That's great. And what what is one thing that you do every single day or a week or month a year to maintain your sanity? <laughs> <laughs> That's a good question. I stay connected to my friends. Mm. And then one final question within the rapid fire round, and that is if you could have any message of your choice on a billboard, what would that be? Prosper on your own terms. Oh, I like that. That's great. And then I've, I have final three questions for you, Lenora. The first one is, 
What is your current personal business passion project that you're working on and what are you looking forward to in the next six months to a year? What I'm working on right now is making sure that I have a real um, solid deliverable for my clients. I've realized over the last several years, there's a lot of talking that goes on in my meetings. And I'm ensuring that there are more um, artifacts that people can look at. uh, Because, you know, after these conversations, people do need some kind of anchor to go back to. And sometimes their notes aren't as good as, let's say, my notes. So, so one thing I've tried and, and it's working really well is I use a whiteboard and whiteboard things out as we talk. And so I take a picture of that and they've got that as an anchor. I'm going to be, um, as I'm going through a rebranding, I'm going to be um, putting more things on paper to share um, electronically, I should say, so that people can look back at their work with me and flip through those notes and have that. I want, I want it to be much more concrete for them. Um, yes, I definitely want that. Uh, the other thing I'm working on is, you know, the coming up with the tagline prosper on your own terms and realizing that's what ac- absolutely everybody has in common and why they work with me rather than somebody else. I'm really becoming an astute listener of my client's stories. And I'm, I'm looking for a way to put those stories together and share them. And I haven't, I, it's not going to be a book. It's likely going to be something that's, um, that's a video, Um, And that's something I've been toying with for several years. And I feel like as I've gotten more organized with these great people who are working with me and I'm um, feeling better about my obligation to have a more concrete deliverable from my work, um, I feel like it's okay to now get involved in that very creative project about uh, my client's storytelling. That is very inspiring and uh, definitely uh, all the best wishes to you on these projects. And I want to take a moment to acknowledge you, Lenora couple of things that comes to mind. One is, what an incredible journey that you've had all the way uh, from the Bay Area, you know, uh, learning from your parents as to what was important to you and then creating a life by design, like just literally taking the life uh, that the opportunities that you were given, given and then like taking it to the next level. And like now, living a life on your terms and not only that prospering on your own terms and helping others uh, see that that that's possible for them as well with your business with your branding and marketing and your work so really uh, amazing amazing wisdom that you share with the community and the kind of work you do is very inspiring so thank you for being you thank you cal you just radiate positivity it's a pleasure to be in your company I loved your questions, and I really help. I, I just love that you're helping spread spread the wisdom and spread this positivity and encouragement. Um, thank you so much for having me on your show. And you are very welcome, and I appreciate those uh, that feedback. And then one final question, and this is how we wrap up all our interviews, and that is, why do you think people should listen to the wisdom of friends? Because our friends are the ones who care about us. Our friends are the ones who are invested in our success and um, collaboration and shared wisdom is uh, can make things go faster and certainly in a more enjoyable way. Thank you so much for that feedback and I truly appreciated our conversation this evening, Lenora, and for everybody listening with that, we'll wrap it up. And if you like what you heard, 
Please share. Don't be shy. Thanks for listening to the Wisdom of Friends show with Carla Ras. If you enjoyed today's show, head over to wisdomoffriends.net to join the conversation, access the show notes, and discover our fantastic bonus content. We hope you'll pass along our web address, wisdomoffriends.net, to your friends and colleagues. Be sure to check out our archive section on the website for previous episodes and subscribe on iTunes. Rate and leave a review. It's very much appreciated. Thank Thank you. you. This has been a Seven Symphonies production. Join us next time for another edition of The Wisdom of Friends.